Well, <clears throat> good morning, everyone. It's great to actually be here. I think the last time I spoke at St. Mary of Bethany, uh, you got a recorded video of me speaking to you during the depth of lockdown over Zoom. As, uh, that was the last time we were back from Japan during lockdown. It's much better to actually be here this morning with you and see you and I hope with some of you have a chat or a coffee afterwards. Oh. Before we think about the word, let's ask God's help to understand it. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us this morning to worship you. Thank you for the chance to engage with your word. We pray that this morning we would hear you. If we come to your words in our own wisdom and we try to understand it, it won't challenge us and change us as it should. Help us to hear it as your voice. We pray you would speak to us this morning and change our thinking, our hearts, our lives. We pray you'd help us to remember what you want us to take from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Very likely, you know this morning's story as the story of the rich young ruler. Uh, although Mark doesn't tell us either his age or his status, the same story in Matthew tells us he was a ruler, and Luke tells us he was young. It's a story I'm sure many of you are very familiar with already, but what does it have to say to us? Let's think about this young man's question first. Verse 17. He says, it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Our theme for today, sharing true treasure. This man is looking for treasure, isn't he? Eternal life. He's a very proper young man, isn't he? He's very respectful. He gets down on his knees. He addresses Jesus using respectful words. So he's probably a bit surprised when Jesus responds not with praise or a pat on the back, but a challenging question. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. What is Jesus saying here? This passage is often quoted by people claiming Jesus never claimed to be God. But is that really what he's saying here? Rather, isn't he challenging the young man? He's asking, are you really ready to see who I am and admit it? Follow me with real devotion? Or is this polite flattery? Is our young friend here really just trying to oil social wheels with his words? I think... The rest of the story makes the answer clear in the case of this young man. But what about us? When we come to Jesus to pray, when one day we stand before him at the judgment, what's our attitude? There are many passages in the Gospels that show us anyone who comes assuming they're worthy to Jesus is in danger. Those who come with a deep awareness of their unworthiness, their need for grace, coming with humility, are welcomed. But it's very easy, isn't it, for that humility to slip into complacency as time goes on. And let's move on. Jesus' answer goes on in verses 19 to 20. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Confirms it, doesn't it? This young man, he's depending on his good life to get him eternal life. Jesus lists a selection of the Ten Commandments. He confidently declares he's kept them. So Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have, give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. In other words, give up your earthly treasure to gain treasure in heaven, true treasure. Why this challenge? Think a bit more closely about that list of commandments Jesus cited in verse 19. We can divide the Ten Commandments into God-focused commandments, neighbour-focused commandments. All the ones Jesus cites here are the neighbour-focused ones. All but one. Which one's missing? Do not covet. Surely that's relevant to the challenge he gives the young man. And he follows it up with a second challenge. Follow me. All this goes back to that question he asked in verse 18. Does this young man really see who Jesus is? Will he follow him? Actually, in claiming that only through following him will this man receive eternal life, Surely Jesus is giving the lie to the claim he's denying his divinity here. He's claiming a huge authority and a huge role in determining who gets eternal life. There's something else here very important to notice. When this young man turns away from following Jesus, is Jesus angry with him? Not at all. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus didn't drive him away. Rather, faced with the choice, true treasure in heaven or the treasure he's clinging to on earth, he chose the treasure on earth. It's become an idol to him. He's not failing only at the tenth commandment, he's failing at the first. You shall have no other gods before me. Or beside me, as the Hebrew can also be rendered. It doesn't make a lot of difference, really, thinking about this kind of idol, whether we say before or beside What makes something an idol a god? The best definition I've heard is that an idol is anything that we love more than God, or we trust more than God, or we fear more than God. That kind of idol will, when push comes to shove, come before God. That's what's happened here. Push has come to shove. The young man has been forced to choose. Just how his money is an idol to him, it's not made clear here. Did he love it for the earthly goodies it could buy him? Did he trust it more than God for his security? Did he fear losing prestige, losing face, if he threw all his money away as the world would see it? Quite possibly all these factors were in there and maybe more. And the key point is, he he came wanting Jesus and... He wanted to add heavenly treasure to earthly treasure. He wanted to listen to Jesus, perhaps. Maybe even follow him, but on his own terms. And that is what is not possible. Jesus doesn't offer Jesus and. He offers Jesus only. 
to gain treasure in heaven, every other treasure must be jettisoned. We need to confess our need and our weakness, be willing to do what we're called upon to do without hesitation or regret. So this young man gave up the true treasure of eternal life to keep earthly treasures. Now there are many such treasures in this world. Things we think we can can value besides Jesus. Not seeing one day push will come to shove. We will have to choose. Or maybe it's that at that point when the the test comes we find out which treasure we've already chosen. Uh, I recommend The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, which explores a huge range of different things that people can make idols out of like this. It's a penetrating but sometimes challenging read. And we see these hurdles often in our work in Japan. We see many treasures people cling to. We meet a lot of people who are interested in Jesus. At first, they come to Bible studies. They want to know more because of what they think Jesus can give them peace, guidance, a moral compass. Jesus can and does give us all those things, we know that, but not the way they want it. A lot of them come for Jesus and. Trouble begins when they see it's Jesus only that he's asking. When faced with a Jesus who could bring them into conflict with boss, with their boss or their family or the way society does things, Many hesitate. Not a few walk away, sadly, like this young man. Maybe they still want what they thought Jesus would give them. Not enough to actually follow him when push comes to shove. Others, when they see what Jesus calls them to, see it doesn't prioritise harmony. It doesn't prioritise compliance with culture. And that seems irresponsible. And they walk away more offended than sad. We've seen this quite a number of times over the years we've been there, and it's heartbreaking, when, especially when it's someone we've known a long time who's seen a long way down the path towards faith in Christ. But actually, this is a very important challenge for us too. This passage is often qualified with an explanation, Jesus' call to give it all away isn't universal, which is true, but is specific to this young man and his situation, As long as we're willing to give it all away, it doesn't mean Jesus demands it of all of us. But if, like me, when you hear that, you're tempted to give a sigh of relief, doesn't that show maybe I do need to hear that? What does it show about my heart? Does it show I also think it would be too hard? There's a deep challenge for us here. But it's not the only challenge. Because... We, too, face many other potential treasures than just actual money. Just waiting for push to come to shove forces us to find where does our true allegiance lie? Will we take a stand for Jesus on the flashpoint cultural issues? Will we make decisions about money or career that look like throwing it all away in the world's eyes? Do we fear one day we might reach the point where following Jesus seems to require dropping one treasure too many. How will we know, before the test comes, whether we'll stand firm? To think about that, we need to move on to the second half of the passage. After the the young man has wandered sadly away, 
And the disciples are looking on. It seems, if we look at it, they're in a state of some disbelief as we look at their conversation with Jesus in verses 23 to 27. Often, this young man is portrayed as being somewhat arrogant, strolling in and assuming that, of course, he's in line for eternal life. He just wants a quick check that he's doing okay. But if you look at the disciples, they clearly assumed he was okay, didn't they? Look at their question in verse 26. Who then can be saved if not this young man? This respectable, respectful young man, if he can't be saved, who can be saved? If he's arrogant, it's not the kind of gross presumption that offends everybody. It's a kind of common or garden sense of entitlement and privilege. Seems like common sense not just to him, but to society as a whole. Again, it probably came with his wealth. Not if his wealth wasn't obviously ill-gotten gains, such as the tax collectors hoarded. It probably came with a great air of respectability. Isn't that another reason why it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom? The, the treasures they need to be willing to put aside, it's not just money, it's the whole attitude to life that money can easily breed. Just before this story, in Mark 10:15, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not enter the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never even enter it. A little child doesn't expect to receive gifts because of who they are or what they've done. They readily receive gifts as gifts. In contrast, this young man is full of entitlement. Based on his track record, in his conscious thought, and shaped by his own biases and the biases of the culture around him, to expect him to be able to earn his way and pay for what he wants. He's not willing to accept his need for forgiveness and grace, maybe not even able to see it. Now, we, of course, we're good evangelicals, aren't we? We know perfectly well we can't earn our way into the kingdom. We can't allow idols to be alongside Jesus in our hearts. But... Does that knowledge in our heads always inform the way we think, the way we feel, the way we live? Does your heart sink when you confront the massive challenge of this passage to identify, completely and permanently turn away from a huge array of different idols, some of which we may not have even identified yet? Do our hearts cry out, enough, too much, this is impossible? Surely, Lord, I'm doing enough. What more can I do? That cry is not so, hard, so far away from the question of the disciples. Who can be saved? If that's the case for us, we need to hear Jesus' answer to the disciples again. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. If our hearts are sinking up this challenge to live a life worthy of God's standards, it shows on some level we still think we have to. That the gospel hasn't yet penetrated right down deep into our hearts. Of course our own efforts won't be enough to meet God's standards. But with God it is possible. Because Jesus died in our place, because the perfect righteousness of Jesus is given to us in exchange, through Jesus, we can receive the true treasure of eternal life. Not as something we've earned, but as a gift. All we need do 
is admit our need. Even to do that, we'll need God's help. If we're finding it hard to digest this gospel more deeply, let's come back to that point again. That in spite of what this young man did, in spite of his rejection, Jesus loved him. There's no grounds for despair. However much we are failing or have failed, however tempted we might feel to turn back, while we're breathing, there's a way back to God. It always starts with recognition that we can't do it by ourselves. Crying out to God for help, as a little child does. Not in the presumption that I can do it, like this, young, this entitled youth. Our, by our own efforts, we can't even thrust this truth down deeper into our hearts. For that too, we need to cry out to God for that deeper understanding of our situation and a deeper grasp of Jesus' love. Knowing, even knowing our weakness, our failures, he still went to the cross for us. And it's that deep grasp of his love that in turn will help us to gladly cast aside the worldly treasures we cling to where gritted teeth and effort fail us. Why grasp for this worldly treasures when we have such joy in the Lord? Why fear trouble in this world when the promise of glory in the next comes alive to us? Why seek security in fragile money or health or status when we know we have an eternal promise backed up by Jesus' sacrifice before ever we knew we needed it or sought it? When our hearts truly grasp the depths of God's love for us, when we truly appreciate the value of the true heavenly treasures we have in Christ, the so-called treasures of the world will no longer sparkle and then we'll have no qualms of casting them aside if that's what Jesus asks of us. So this deep grasp of the gospel needs to be our aim for ourselves and for anyone we witness to. In our work in Japan, we need to remember to start by praying that the people we're working with will grasp this. We hope you'll join us in that prayer. Anytime any of us is witnessing to anyone, the same is true. Prayer for God's power to enable people to grasp this truth that lies beyond human reach is where we must start. For our Christian brothers and sisters, and to pray for this mindset for one another, encourage one another with our words that Jesus' love and Jesus' forgiveness needs nothing added to it. True treasure is found only in him. And with God's help, let's share this true treasure with those who are caught up in the treasures of this world that never can fully satisfy. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word to us today. As we look at this rich young man, we see ourselves and the people around us reflected back to us. We recognise we are very quick to seek other treasures than you, to trust in our money or abilities or moral performance instead of in you, to fear the disapproval of other people more than we care what you think of us. We see how these things can lead us to pull away from you. But we also see your love in Jesus. When this rich young man turned to leave, in spite of his rejection, Jesus still loved him. Remind us, Lord, how much you love us, how little we deserve that love. You love us so much that in Jesus you died on the cross in our place to take our sin and give us his righteousness. We can neither save ourselves nor live righteous lives by our own efforts. But in Jesus we don't need to. 
For us to be saved is impossible with man, with us, but with you it is wonderfully possible, certain. Please help us not only to know this, but to live in awareness of this, this gospel. Help us to see where we have idols, to bring them to Jesus and be rid of them. Please help us to grow and change. Keep us praying for those around us in line with that knowledge. Salvation and growth come only from you. Whether that's us in Japan or here around us or anywhere in the world, please keep us praying that those around us would come to know Keep deepening that knowledge of the God who alone can save them, can save us. To find in Jesus true treasure, the only true treasure that can fully satisfy the longings of our hearts. Praise and thank you for that amazing salvation bought by Jesus on the cross. For your love, deep, deep love for us that lies beneath it. In Jesus' name, amen.